This morning we're going to be looking at Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is a time where this unit is filled with discovery, with surprise and wonder. The cross is not the end of the story of Jesus. In fact, it signifies a new beginning. And it's kind of interesting as you look at the account of the resurrection of Jesus that, that you look at the disciples and it consistently catches them off guard that they themselves, the disciples, those who knew Jesus the best, that they actually had a hard time adjusting to the reality that Jesus is alive. Now, now, now nowadays, we have difficulty, you know, believing uh, everything that, uh, oops, everything that we hear, um, and uh, it's hard because we're basically, we're conditioned with a sort of a, a skepticism because we've been duped or misled so many times in the past by people who just have these different agendas, and uh, politicians, they want to come, uh, they, 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 they want to gain power, leaders want to gain popularity, marketers want to gain profit, and if you're visiting with us today, I just want to say that that's not what we're about. Honestly, if you think about Christianity, what does Christianity have to gain from spreading the good news of the resurrection? I mean, we're not gaining power from it. We're not gaining popularity from it. We're not getting any profit from it. We share the res- about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because simply that it is a cause for great joy. It is the only way to salvation. And I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. And let's rise. Let's, let's stand in reverence for the word of God. And this is after... Uh, Jesus' crucifixion, the women went to the tomb. It says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. But he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and must be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to the apostles an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now from this passage, we're going to see that the resurrection of Jesus is a cause for great joy and confidence. And, and as we look at this, this final chapter actually is divided into kind of three parts, three encounters. The first is really the, the women at the tomb, uh, which we just read. The second is there are two men on Emmaus Road that meet with Jesus. And the last one, third one, is the disciples. Jesus meets with the disciples in the upper room. Now, um, for, for Luke, he is very, very careful about how he constructs his writing. And so this is not uh, like redundant, like having three different uh, appearances, but rather there's a purpose to each encounter. First of all, the first purpose is that he wants to give a confident evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, he wants a, a comforting confirmation 
of God's plan, that this is all according to the plan of God. And the third thing is a celebratory call to share the good news, a renewal of of what our mission on earth is to be. So let's look at the first, a confident evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the question really is, did Jesus actually rise from the dead? This is a very important question because if there's any confusion about the resurrection of Jesus, any miscommunication, this would be a really big deal. I mean, some may ask, you know, is it possible that the disciples, you know, made up the story? That they, they kind of, uh, you know, took the body and, and kind of made up the story of the resurrection? Or is it possible that they saw someone that looked like Jesus and mistook, mistook him for Jesus? Or is it possible that they miscommunicated something and somebody thought that they said that Jesus resurrected. Now, if you look carefully at this historical event, Luke writes this to really dispel all of these uh, possibilities. If you look at verse one, it says, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women went to the tomb and taking spices they had prepared, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and when they went in, they did not find the body of Christ. And so here we see, these are the first people to bear witness of the resurrection of Jesus. It says they brought spices, meaning they weren't coming to see Jesus rise. They weren't expecting Jesus. They were expecting to find a dead body. And instead, of course, they find two angelic beings who announce to them that Jesus has risen from the dead. And then they go and they tell the disciples, and and the disciples themselves, they don't believe it as well. And the words of the angels are very important. It says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Now, as you look at this account, particularly by Luke, Luke is not only making it really clear that Jesus physically rose from the dead, he is also making it very clear the skeptical reaction, the first reaction of the disciples, uh, you know, that, that they, they really could not conceive that Jesus had risen from the dead. You know, people say that the disciples tried to fake or fabricate a story of the resurrection, but why would they do that if they, didn't, they themselves didn't even believe, couldn't even conceive that Jesus would rise from the dead? Um, they really thought that the, the, the crucifixion was the end. They thought that was it. The thought that the disciples accidentally saw someone that looked like Jesus, again, the grave was physically... The, the, Luke says the grave was physically empty. And the message, could the message have been muddled? No, it's very clear. The angel said, he is not here. He is risen. This again is a first account. Luke is saying, confident evidence, Jesus has risen. Now, what's interesting about Christianity is Christianity is a religion that is rooted in history. Therefore, what it does is it makes claims that actually can be investigated historically. And it has been for thousands of years. People have continued to investigate this uh, story of uh, uh, the claim of Jesus Christ. Now, if one were to, even if we were to take the New Testament writings, the Gospels, uh, as historical documents, let's say we don't even, we're not even Christian. We look at the, 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 the documents written by Luke as just a collection of Greek ancient documents without any assumption that they're even true. We'd be surprised to learn that a number of New Testament critics that have studied the gospel texts, okay, these are not, I'm not talking about Christian critics, I'm talking about non-Christian critics who, who, who have nothing to gain, who, who don't believe in Jesus, have studied um, studied these accounts, studied these documents, they 
accept certain facts regarding this resurrection of Jesus. That there are certain historical facts that most honest scholars agree, whether you're Christian or not Christian, they all agree on these things. Number one, Jesus was a real person. There's no question. And Jesus was crucified on a cross. He died on a cross. That's a fact. Number two, Jesus was buried in a tomb by Joseph of Arimathea. Again, that's a fact. Number three, Jesus' tomb three days later, after the crucifixion, Jesus' tomb was empty. They did not find a body. Number four, there are many claims right after the crucifixion of multiple occasions under various circumstances, all different people claiming that they have seen Jesus alive, seen Jesus alive from the dead. And then finally, the the last fact is the disciples, all the disciples um, affirm that Jesus has risen from the dead even though they themselves had previously um, had been predisposed to say, we don't, there's no possible way that this could happen. Now, so as we look at these things, I know people can still argue this, but for hundreds of years, people have been studying, uh, studying the Gospels, and they're trying to discredit the historicity of the Gospels, and majority of, his, of historians believe that these things are true. Now, of course, there are always gonna be people that deny it, just like people deny the Holocaust, people deny the moon landing, there's still flat earth people today. But the general debate is not, should not be around the believability of these, these issues. Nobody could say, oh, I don't believe that Jesus was real, because they'd be actually going against most evidence. Nobody could say, oh, I don't believe Jesus died on the cross. Um, because again, that'd be going against the majority of what has been accepted in the academic world. No one can really say that Jesus' tomb, that Jesus' body was in the tomb, because again, everybody agrees that this is, uh, these are facts. Now again, facts are things that are put to, are, facts are those things which are put forward to say that these things are in, uh, what's the word, incongruence with reality. So the issue is not about whether these things occurred. The debate is about giving an explanation for why these things have occurred. That's where the debate is. And that's where a lot of people say, well, there's other explanations for this. You know, this could have happened, that could have happened. Uh, maybe Jesus didn't die, or maybe this happened, whatever. So there's a lot of alternative explanations about these things. Um, because there are people that would not want to accept the explanation, which is the most reasonable, which is actually given here in Luke. And that is, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the one thing that really brings all this, uh, all these things together and say, this is how we can explain this. And so um, this, this confirms that there's a confident, there's confident evidence of the, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, the second recorded incidence of the witness of Jesus is the two uh, people on Emmaus Road. Now, um, <clears throat> On the Emmaus Road, basically what Jesus is doing or what Luke is doing here is he is bringing a comforting confirmation of God's plan. He's saying everything is going 
according to the plan of God. Now, <clears throat> you may be a planner or you may be a free-spirited person. Um, and, you know, like, you can tell when you go on vacation, right? If you're a planner and you go on vacation, what do you do? You plan out every single day. You plan out exactly when you're going to arrive. You plan out, you know, when we're going to arrive at the hotel, when, how long it takes us. It takes us 10 minutes, to do, and then we're going to go to this, and boop, boop, boop. So a planner will have everything taken care of. Uh, you may, or you may say, well, I'm not, I don't, that's too stressful for me. I don't have a free spirit. I'll just, when we get there, we'll find out what we want to do, okay? So, you know, it, it, personality. Some people are planners, some people are not. But there are certain situations where we, whether you're a planner or whether you're free-spirited, you want things to go according to plan. It doesn't matter how free-spirited you are. When you're on an airplane and there's a lightning storm and you're, there's a lot of rough things going on, you do not want to hear from the, the pilot to say, uh, I'd like to inform the passengers that we've come across some unexpected complications. And we don't want to hear that. Right? When we receive a letter from college or a phone call from an interview, you know, a job interview, you don't want to hear things like, well, we plan to accept you and we did send the letter and the offer, but, you know, unfortunately, things didn't go as according to plan. We say, no, we don't want to hear that type of thing in that situation. Or maybe you're going into major surgery and just about when you're about to go under anesthesia, the doctor says, oh, well, we, we kind of thought we were going to do this, but actually, you know, we kind of changed our plans a little bit. And then, you know, you don't want to hear that as the guy's putting the thing on your, you know, you don't want to hear that. We like to hear things like the pilot saying, everything is going to plan. We'll be arriving at our destination right as scheduled. We love that. That's what we want to hear. Uh, colleges, we want to say, everything's in order. You can begin planning to find your housing. Everything's going according to plan. Yeah, that's great. Doctors, after the surgery, it was perfect. Everything went according to plan. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear in times of stress and uncertainty, we want the assurance that things are going according to plan right? It brings a, a sigh of relief. It brings a, a burst of energy. It brings a, a continued resolve when we go through difficult times. And that's exactly what Luke is saying here in verse 13. He says, that very day, these two men in Emmaus, on Emmaus, they were, they were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about the things that had happened, about the resurrection or the purported resurrection. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, if you kind of read this for what it is, it's actually kind of funny, right? It's kind of comical because you have these two guys, they're actually talking about this rumor that Jesus had risen from the dead. And, and the word here is not just discussing, they were in an argument. They're debating about what actually happened. You know, perhaps one saying, I don't think, I, you know, there's got to be an explanation for this. And Jesus, while they're arguing about Jesus, you know, these things going on, Jesus walks by and says, hey, what y'all talking about? You know, and they're like, and then the first guy goes, are you kidding me? They, we're talking about Jesus. Haven't, you know, everybody's talking about Jesus. He's a powerful in word and deed before God. And the disciples had all banked their lives on the hope that Jesus would be the one who would redeem Israel. But then Jesus died. We saw Jesus breathe his last breath. And he was nailed to the cross. And he was buried. But then get this, you know, three days later, these, these women brought this this strange rumor. They said they went to the tomb and it was empty and they said angels had said Jesus was alive, but we know that's crazy. 
There's got to be an explanation. We're just trying to figure out, you know, what happened here. And then Jesus says in verse 25, and he reveals himself, and he says, Oh, foolish ones who are slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer, suffer these things and enter into his glory? At the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the, uh, in all the scriptures the things concerning them. And what Jesus is saying to them, he's saying, why is this so hard to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Because from the very beginning, all the promises of God, all of scripture, Jesus, the, the scriptures have been speaking of a Messiah king who would come from God, who must suffer and die, and then rise from the dead. See, Jesus is saying these things have to be. They are necessary. They are a necessary part of God's wonderful plan to end the curse of sin and restore a right relationship between man and God. This is all according to, that's Luke is saying, this is all according to plan. He's saying, this is not the the death of hope. This is just the beginning of hope. See, the incredible fact is not just that Jesus rose from the dead, but that this was a plan of God from the very beginning. Thousands of years before the birth of Jesus Christ, God was already putting things into motion and, 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 and leading up to this very moment of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's the resurrection of Jesus that reminds us and reminds the disciples this, this comfort this confirmation of the plan of God. You know, they always say, you know, there's a silver lining. You know, wherever the cloud, there's a silver lining. And last night I was thinking about that. I was thinking, what does that mean? Where is the silver lining and why is that good in a cloud? Uh, why should I look for that? And I looked it up and I figured out that it said that, well, it comes from a poem, but I'd still say, well, poem, what's, what's Milton talking about? Well, what they said what it's talking about is when there's a sun behind the cloud, you can see the sun shining behind the cloud and it looks like there's a silver lining behind it. So saying, you know, in every cloud there's a silver lining, which actually is not true because only the cloud that has the sun behind it will have a silver lining. All the others will not. So, you know, the thing that's funny is, you know, you go through these hard situations. People say, well, you know, let's look for the silver lining. Let's look for the positive. Let's look for the, the glasses half full instead of half empty. And what that means is it's kind of like I have to do the work to find something good right? A bad situation. I have to do the work to try to find something good in this situation. And we have that all the time. A health issue, financial issue, relationship issue, whatever it is. And well-meaning people will say, just, just try to find the good. I see the silver lining in this. And I'm like, oh, it's up to me to find something good about this. But the, that, that's, that's not what God says. He's not saying you have to find the good things in in, in the things that are coming. No, God says there are good things. He says, I know the plans I have for you. The plan is not to harm you, but to give you a future. Even if you can't figure out anything good about what's going on in your life right now, there is a plan. There is something good. These words that were spoken by Jeremiah were spoken to the Israelites when they were ripped from their homes and exiled in a foreign land. And even then, when they lost everything, God said to them, I have a plan. Don't lose heart. When Jesus died on the cross, there was no possible way that the disciples could find a silver lining in what had happened. No way. But they had a hope. 
Because God said, this is according to my plan. That there is a crucifixion. It comes before resurrection. In fact, in order for there to be a resurrection, there must first be a crucifixion. Before new life, there must be an old death. Before glory, there must be suffering. In order for a tree to grow, a seed must die. We see this in all of history, in all of the way that God works in history, that God's greatest works often come following a time of suffering. Sometimes in order to get us to a place of blessing, of peace and power, God must bring us through a temporary time of pain and struggle. That's his plan. Sometimes in order to become a man or woman of God that he wants you to be, he's got to burn away the, the dross and the, the junk within our soul. And that's his plan. Sometimes in order to give us something wonderful, he has to pry out of our hands uh, the lesser things that we hang on to with dear life. And God says, I want to give you something wonderful, but first I've got to take that thing out of your hand that you are holding on so tightly. Sometimes in order to get us to the best place, God has to say, I've got to stop you from going where you're going because that's not the best place. And I've got to move you to, to the direction that you need to be going where, where, where you're going to see that blessing and goodness. The resurrection of Jesus Christ reminds us that the crucifixion was necessary for the greatest miracle that God would ever see. And, and today, you know, as, as we go through these struggles, perhaps you're here right now, and, and there's a lot of struggles, and, and, and we have a, a loved one who's suffering. We have a situation where we feel like, wow, I, I don't know how to get out of this, God. Or we feel in our hearts just a, a sadness or a, a sense of, of I, I just don't know, you know what my life, what's, why my life is this way. And, and, and God is saying, I have a plan for you. That this is, this is, this is a part of, of the good things that I want to bring in your life. Don't, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. You know, when a doctor tells, when we call a doctor and say, hey, you know, I have this pain. Um, am I supposed to have this pain, you know? And the doctor says, well, yeah, after this surgery, you're going to have that pain. That's just a part of it. It'll go away. Don't worry. We're like, oh, good. You feel good. If the doctor says, oh, that's weird. I've never heard of that before. Then we're like kind of scared. But, you know, this is God saying, hey, if there's a pain, if there's a struggle, don't worry. That's a part of my plan for you. If you want that new life, if you want that victory, if you want that strength, if you want to be that new person that, that you really always wanted to be, that God knows you can be, then, then God says, this, some of this pain and some of this struggle, this is a part of my plan. Don't worry. Take comfort. Stand firm. Hold to, to my promises, even in these times. Now, the two disciples, they realized that they had dined with Jesus, and they, they ran and went to Jerusalem. To, to talk with the other disciples. So we've looked at this. We see, the, again, the three purposes. The first one, the confident evidence of the re resurrection, the comforting confirmation of God's plan. What's the last thing? The last thing is a celebratory call to share the good news. Now, if you look at verse 36, it says, um, as they disciples were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. 
But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And then he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, and see that it is I myself. And again, here we see this celebratory call to share the good news. Jesus showed his disciples that he has truly been resurrected. And he says, this is all according to my plan. Again, verse 46, this was written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, that for the repentance, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses to these things. And behold, I'm sending you, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. As much as the disciples are personally joyful beyond measure to be with Jesus, Jesus says, all of this is much bigger than just you. That the, the, the resurrection is not just for you, but not just for their comfort and assurance. The resurrection is about uh, the redemption and the forgiveness of sin for all the nations for all people, that the disciples had this privilege and this calling to walk with Jesus their entire, during his entire earthly ministry. They had personal eyewitnesses to all the events surrounding Jesus Christ. They walked with him through Samaria, through Galilee. They experienced the early popularity of Jesus when everybody was welcoming them in the city, and they also experienced the persecution and the resistance and the ridicule. They heard Jesus' words, they saw his love, they saw his holiness, the perfect revelation of the heart of God. And they saw Jesus beaten and tortured and hung on a cross. And now they see his resurrected body. And now Jesus sends them out. He says, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you'll be clothed with power from high and, and, and God this plan will continue to move forward, and guess what? You guys are going to be a part of it, a major part of it. The Gospel of Luke closes with Jesus' commission to his disciples, and the disciples, the final verses of Luke says, and they worshiped him. The disciples worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, continually in the temple blessing God. Now again, this is really, if you really think about this, this is remarkable because before the resurrection, okay, you think about before the resurrection, the disciples are frightened for their lives. They're scared to death. They know that everybody in the city looking for them wants to kill them. And what they're thinking in their hearts right now, how can we get out of Jerusalem, right? That's what they're thinking. How do we get out of this place? How do we escape and get as far away from the enemy as possible so that we can save our lives? Get away from, you know, as far as we can from all of these things, these things that are trying to kill us and everything like that, and just go and find a safe place far away. And, and, and yet, at the resurrection, when they see the resurrection of Jesus, even though the outward circumstances have not changed, I mean, everybody still wants to kill them, right? Every in Jerusalem still wants to kill them. It's only been three, you know, it's only been three days. It hasn't changed within three days. But yet, in their hearts, inwardly, everything changed, right? Fear is replaced with great joy. Instead of hiding, they're worshiping God. Instead of trying to find a way to escape, like, look, they're trying to escape 
the enemy, they're trying to get us far away from Jerusalem. Now it says they're, they're going right into Jerusalem, blessing God, going right into the temple. You know, the, the very people who crucified Jesus, who said, you know, we're going to kill everybody related to Jesus and, you know, arrest them and, and, and just make sure that they're slaughtered so there's nothing to do with Jesus. They, these disciples walk right into the temple and they don't even just hide. They're saying, we praise Jesus. We love Jesus. Jesus risen from the dead, right in the middle of the temple. This is a celebratory call to share the good news that we don't run from the enemy. We walk into the heart of spiritual warfare. We're not afraid. We're not, when, when, when people create resistance, when people have struggles, we don't run and say, I want to get as far away from this as possible. I want to hide in the church somewhere and pray that God takes me to heaven or takes me somewhere where I'm not going to find any problems. No, we say, hey, I'm going to go into the stronghold of the enemy. I'm going to praise Jesus Christ. I'm going to rob the enemy of all those that he's kept captive for so long through his lies and his deceit. And I'm going to Set the captives free with the love and the message of Jesus Christ. Preach the good news of Jesus that in him all sins are forgiven, all bondage is broken, all hope is restored. And I don't care what type of opposition that is, I don't care where it is and what it is, we go in and we come because we come in the name of Jesus Christ. Because we have seen and we know the resurrected Lord of Jesus Christ and we're not running. We're not going to run. We're going to go forward with boldness, with courage, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's all we need to go forth with victory and share, and just share Jesus is risen. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, and, and, and you will find a new life in him. Now, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior, you may think that, Jesus is a good man or Jesus is a good person. But maybe Jesus has not been somebody who has made much difference in your life right now. Well, now's the time for salvation. If you go back to the account of the two men on the road to Emmaus, they were speaking to Jesus and Jesus says that Jesus was acting as if he was going to go farther, but they urged him, say, come, come into our house, stay with us, have a meal with us. And Jesus, you look at this and Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone. He doesn't force himself to walk into your room and say, okay, you know, you got to accept me, you got to, you know, obey me, things like that. He, he, he is waiting for us to invite him in. To invite him, not just in times of trouble, say, Jesus, help me, but really to invite him to come and to stay and to be with us, to have fellowship with us. And the picture of, of Jesus when he was with these men, that he, he was sitting with them, breaking bread together, which is a sign of peace and fellowship and relationship. And today, Jesus is waiting for you to invite him in and to, to, to break bread with him. And he will stay with you he died on the cross to bear all of your shame, all of our shame, all of our guilt in the past. That if we confess our sin, to, to, to say that I'm a sinner and that I need Jesus for salvation, I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I mean, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, but not just that, but I believe why, the explanation for why he did that. He died for my sin. He rose from the dead 
so that if I choose to follow Jesus in obedience and faith, that I will have eternal life, that Jesus will come, wipe away every tear, cleanse every wound of the soul if we're willing to receive him and invite him in. If you've never received Jesus as Savior, I encourage you today, Easter, Easter of all days, to, to invite him in. Don't let him walk by. Don't let another year go by with you letting Jesus just walk by your door again. Invite him in. Let him bring this life to you. Let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's, let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer as we think about this resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and let's, ask, let's ask God, God, what is the resurrection of Jesus saying to me right now? As I think about it, as I remind myself of the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. What is that saying to me right now? It's not just a fact. It's not just an event. It is saying to us right now that God has a plan. No matter what I'm going through, you may be here right now and you're going through just terrible things. And you're looking and, and really searching to say, God, I, I need that silver line. I need something that is telling me that there is something to hope for in this. And God is saying to you right now, there is a hope that I do have a plan. That even in the time of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, when everyone thought that, that hope was over, that even then hope was just beginning. And for you today, whatever you go through now, hope is just beginning for you. Hold to Jesus Christ right now in that struggle. Come to Jesus Christ right now and ask him to give you that strength for the struggle that you're going through right now. Ask him for the courage to go into those places that you've been afraid of for so long and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Ask for those people that you love so much that you've been praying for that this is the day to come and to share, to bring them that good news. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Savior, let this be the day let this be the day that you come to receive Jesus as Savior. I want to give you an opportunity right now to come and receive Jesus as Savior. You don't have to walk up to the front. In fact, just walk up, walk to the back. If you've never received Jesus as Savior and you say, you know, God, I want this hope. I want this plan. I want this, I want Jesus to, to, to take away my guilt and my sin. I'm tired of working on my own. I'm tired of trying to find this on my own, trying to figure out this life on my own, and I really want Jesus to come into my heart. I want to receive him as Savior. If you really, if this is what God is saying to you as you think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, make decision today. Go ahead and, and, and go to the back, and we'll have some people meet with you in the back, and they'll just pray with you. If you want to receive Jesus as Savior, you can receive it right there. If you just want someone to pray, and you're saying, I'm still struggling with the the thought of Jesus and who he is, they'll pray with you. So anybody, if, if you're here, you've never received Jesus as Savior, just go ahead and just go to the back and we'll have some people, we'll have some people meet you there. Anyone? Even if you've been attending church for a while, but you said, hey, you know, this is the time when I really need to get, I really need to get it. I want to ask Jesus to, 
be my Savior right now. Go ahead and just, just go ahead and step onto the back. You can just get up out of your seat. Go and step onto the back. We'll have some people out right there to meet you. They'll just pray with you. We'll give you some time. If you're afraid, grab your friend.